Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues. Hello there and welcome to Examiner Sports Alliance League Review. We have a bumper show in store this Monday. Tony Lean talks us through the epic between Kerry and Dublin, plus another weekend of woe for Cork football. And we also hear from John Fogarty on Galway's win over Monaghan in Enniskeen. Cork County Board Children's Officer Des Cullinan joins us in studio on a new initiative by the County Board. Plus we hear from Cork Hurling Manager John Myler on some interesting thoughts on 4G pitches. That's all to come on the Examiner Sport Alliance League Review. Now, first off, uh, uh, we're heading down to Austin Stack Park in Tralee, Kerry and Dublin on Saturday night. Tony Lean was there for us. Uh, Tony, how many times over the last uh, year or so we've been here in this studio on a Monday morning bemoaning the state of Gaelic football? Nice to start with a, a bit of a, a positive hue on the game. Yeah, if only Kerry and Dublin could play every week, call him. Um this was very reminiscent, actually, of the, the 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 league game two years ago. Same venue, Dublin coming in as All Ireland champions again. I suppose, obviously, the only difference this time is the fact that you are looking at a new Kerry in the sense of you're looking at a new management. You're looking at a batch of new young players coming in. I mean, I was outside not for the game, but I actually drove past Austin Stack Park at about four thirty. On Saturday, now think about this: the game didn't throw in until seven, and I would say definitely in the high hundreds of of fans were actually already milling around, sitting down, eating their burgers and chips. Somebody told me that downtown was like you know the Saturday of the Rosa Tralee Festival, like so there was a carnival atmosphere. In fairness to, to Kerry County Board, they put on a trad session for an hour and a half with Liam O'Connor before the game. In front of the main stand, the whole crowd was engaged. I mean, genuinely, the atmosphere was at fever pitch before a ball had even been kicked. It was fantastic to see. And then, brilliantly, the football didn't disappoint. Uh, you know, Kerry were exceptional in the first half. And yet, you you know, as they jogged off at half time, you looked at the scoreboard and they were only two points ahead. Mm. So you basically saw... The reason why so many people are excited about Kerry in that first half, and you saw the reason that Dublin are All-Ireland champions for the last four years in that first half. And the second half just got better in terms of excitement, and it just came to an absolute climax in injury time, and we know what happened. And while the two points are nice, and the two points are important, and as Peter Keane joked afterwards, if there's a couple of league points hanging around, like, you know, we won't say no to them. But I just think in terms of this word they use now, the learnings for him and for his group of players and for the belief system 
you know, in that Kerry setup, I think it was worth so much more than two league points to them. Who impressed you most? Well, Dara Moynihan just continues to impress. Sean O'Shea just has been stellar um, in the games this 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 season. Um, he's continuing on basically from last season. You know, he may not be a first year, but I mean, I suppose if you were to use the American terms, he's still a sophomore. But for Sean O'Shea to be dominating the games up front the way he's doing now is bordering on the ridiculous. If you were to be an ultra-pessimistic Kerry person, you'd actually say to yourself, they can't sustain this. To you know, I mean, ultimately, Kerry people still have to look at the summer. And you were looking at the likes of Dara Moynihan and the energy. You're looking at the likes of, as I said, Sean O'Shea. You're looking at the likes of young Dermot O'Connor. You're looking at Jack Sherwood coming back in. You're looking at all these young fellas. And they're absolutely lifting at the moment. And you're saying to yourself... Can this be sustained, you know, for the next five, six, seven months? The one thing I would say, and I, I knowing the two individuals involved, is in Peter Keane's backroom team, you have the head of athletic development, who is a guy called Jason McGahan from Armagh, who is top, top level S&C. And obviously you have Donny Buckley, who has trained teams and got them to a very good pitch, coaching-wise, football-wise, periodized teams really really well so you'd be hoping that it isn't a concern and I know that's just being ultra pessimistic but it's just that they've just hit the ground running so well that you have to wonder just on the, on, on those two points Tony the one thing that that struck me or two things that struck me is one the physicality of the Kerry players because again how often have we seen a guy being a great minor a great under 21 but it still takes that time to step up to senior level and secondly the huge accolades he last year at the defence. Mm. Donny Buckley only in there a couple of weeks and we could already see a very different approach by Kerry in terms of their tackling. Yeah, well, I don't think, in fairness to Donny Buckley, uh, and he won't mind me saying this, I don't think Donny Buckley has had that great an influence yet because he's only back a couple of weeks. I mean, Kerry have actually been back and working, you know, since the mm. end of 2018. As I said, you have someone like Jason McGahan in there who has been appointed... Um, basically as the head of athletic development for the entire spectrum of Kerry GA, But obviously his initial and primary focus is going to be the senior footballers. You know, and I saw him when Kerry came back out for the second half against Tyrone in their first game at Fitzgerald Stadium. He straight away had a little conditioning programme of about a minute and a half ready, getting them back up to speed, getting their cardio back up. So he's an impressive figure. I watched... When everybody had nearly left the field on Saturday night and Peter Keane walked across the field, the Kerry manager on his own, literally the covered stand rose, you know, almost in standing ovation mode. Now, a lot of it was for Peter, obviously, because he has overseen this. But I think what the message they were saying was, we love what you're doing. We love the fact that the players now are working so hard with and without the ball. That is the difference. You know, there's an argument already about are Kerry more defensive this year? I would say Kerry are more pragmatic this year. Mm. When they don't have the ball, you have drops from wing forward, you have the midfielders dropping, you have a, they're making themselves very compact. You've got to remember, Conor Callahan's goal was the first goal that Kerry have conceded in competitive football in 2019. And via deflection. And via deflection at that. So, you know, in that sense, I think that 
the players have bought into what Peter Keane is asking and the fans have bought into what the players are doing. But should we be kind of downplaying the hype at this moment in time? Are people getting a bit too excited about it? And they will. You see, the trouble with... The trouble with what's happened in Kerry is that people have been waiting, not just in Kerry, but outside Kerry, for this explosion of talent to blossom for the last two or three years. And now suddenly you have like 17 players who were part of the 2014 to 2017 four-in-a-row group are involved in some capacity in the extended squad. Mm -hmm. So everybody has been waiting for this. Now you had David Clifford last year coming through and Sean O'Shea blossoming. Now all of a sudden you have Dara Moynihan coming through. And so people, when you go out and you win your first three games and you beat Dublin, the All-Ireland champions, suddenly everybody's saying, Kerry are here, Kerry are back, Kerry are here to compete. Of course it's too early. I would like to see, everything is going along so well at the moment, you know... Maybe they won't win a lose game. Maybe they, sorry, excuse me. Maybe they you won't want to see lose a, ro- a, league. a roadblock. I just like to see how things will respond when they don't get a performance. No, you could argue. You know, one of the most interesting results this year was actually the least significant one, which was Cavan. Cavan up in Cavan on a bad day. Yeah, and they didn't play well. Uh, I've been, you know, I wasn't there, but I've been speaking to guys, players, including players and ex-players, who said Kerry were not good on the day, but at the same time they still dug out a win. So. You know, look, I just say, like, the portents are very positive, but Colm, you're from Kerry. Anybody, anybody will tell you, and I think Peter Keane said these precise words, it's February and you don't win anything in February. Okay, we'll get your opinions on Dublin in just a moment's time. But first, we're going to hear from the Dublin manager, Jim Gavin. Less than impressed with stories circulating in certain newspapers on Friday that Jason Sherlock had left his management team. Um... How, uh, why journalists are, I suppose, how they, how they, how they report um, on conjecture, on rumour, that's up to you, that's your profession, not mine, so I can't comment on that. But he wasn't gone from the management not, team at any stage? Nothing at least, no, not the slightest. So you've no um, problem with the documentary? I thought it was an excellent documentary. Um, if you haven't seen it, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, you know, Jason's very brave to do what he did and, uh, you know, we're very proud of him and if you can watch that documentary without getting emotional well then you've got a heart of stone so uh, it's well, well worth viewing and that Jim McConnelly story mentioned he's in tra- training with Brian Cullen which of course could mean he's going back with the hurlers either so uh, we, we won't get too carried away that he's back in with the footballers but you can't confirm that tonight well I can confirm that's not the f- that, that is certainly not the case that he's not training with Brian Cullen a- absolutely not right Jim I understand uh, Jim was challenge match for uh, this morning. Uh, I know you were asked two weeks ago but I suppose it there have been talks okay, so whether he's going to be back this the questions now. are just about tonight's game though. just about tonight's game okay, okay. Um, I you know I was, I was obviously we're away travelling all day f- for this game so you know if any player wants to you know volunteer our time for the county football you know we, we, we'll always look at them um, and, and uh, the door has always remained open for any player who's Who's either been with us in the past, or who wants to join us? Uh, who, who hasn't been in there? T- who hasn't been on the squad yet? And um, you know, I think you saw a couple of players there tonight, um, p- putting their hand up for for for, uh, for for a jersey. And uh, you know, we'll continue to look at Sigerson uh, in the coming weeks and club games next weekend to see who, who we can bring in. So fair to say, though, even after two defeats in the league, Jim Gavin is probably quite a happy man. I think all things considered he took so much out of Saturday night. And he said that um, later in that interview. 
um, you know, we actually asked him like about the benefits. And I think what he was saying is to get such a quality game under their belts so early in the season is going to bring them on a ton. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, I mean, look, the obvious ones that are there, like, you know, you have your, obviously your Cluxton and your Philly McMahon and your Keanu O'Sullivan and your Kieran Kilkenny and these guys weren't there. Listen, I'm not really concerned because Kerry could point to three or four guys as well that were missing the last night. But what was really impressive for me was after Mick Fitzsimons was sent off. I mean, you know, no, you, you could say, was that a, f a case of... Kerry seeing the finishing line and maybe pulling up a small bit. But I thought Dublin were so impressive. They really looked champions in that last 15 minutes to actually level the game. And I would have must admit, once they levelled it, I thought to myself, well, there's only one winner here. Yeah, and especially when we saw then the, the Mark Griffin pass. It had the hallmarks you mentioned two years ago, Paul Murphy, that, right. that, that late turnover. One thing that struck me watching the game, you mentioned him there, Stephen Cluxton. And... I know it's a bit of a cliche thing. Dublin aren't the same without Cluxton, but I did think that their goalkeeping, their kickout strategy left them down time and again. I think um, we obviously won't get to see how, you know, what Kerry are doing, which is basically a press. It, it, I wouldn't say it's a, what Kerry are doing is a high press. It, it actually, if you could, you know, use a hybrid word, it's almost like a mid press at the moment. Like Kerry pushed up with three, they pushed up with three behind them, but they still retained a presence around the middle. Mm. Now, Evan Comerford didn't kick anything long, and he doesn't, I'm not saying he doesn't have that in his locker because I haven't seen enough, nobody has seen enough of Evan Comerford unless you play you know, with his club, to know whether he has that in his locker. Like, for instance, one of the reasons that people are talking about that Kerry goalkeeper, Shane Ryan, as a possible number one for the summer, is he has that ability to take two steps and ping something 60 metres over people's heads. Cluxton has that in his locker. He doesn't, he doesn't show and tell the way he's going. Like He can literally take, take two steps back and arrow something 50 metres. And so basically, Kerry were that bit more comfortable pushing up the last night because they knew to a large extent like that Comfort wasn't going to go long. The other thing, which by the way is worth pointing out, talking about the matchups on Saturday night, Jack Barry again set a template. He did it in 2017. He did it again Saturday night for all the other midfielders, especially at the top tier, who were looking at Dublin and who were looking at Brian Fenton and Cullum Cooper made the point in the examiner this morning. You know, finally people are cottoning on to the fact that if you stop Brian Fenton, you have a big, yeah. you have a far bigger chance of stopping Dublin. So I think Jack Barry and Adrian Spillane did an awful lot of grunt work Saturday night that, you know, wouldn't have necessarily had people oohing and eyeing in terms of tracking them down to every corner and making sure particularly the likes of Fenton had no material influence on the game. Okay. That's Division 1 out of the way. It's It's been a strange Division 1 campaign to think who would have expected Kerry to win their first three games under a new management? Who would expect Dublin to lose two games? Um, would you have expected Mayo as well to win their first three games? And Tyrone to be struggling. And I think why it's so beautifully set up now, and I have to you know, put my hand straight up and say, like, I am such an advocate of flipping the seasons around. I really am. I mean, Kieran Shannon in our own paper, has been harping on at this, like, in fairness to him for not this season or last, but many seasons before. Like, when you have teams who are, you know, similarly graded and, you know, like, you really are getting far better quality, far closer games, and you have a situation now 
Next round of the National League, which is in a fortnight's time, has Dublin at home to Mayo. Now, that is a really juicy fixture in Crow Park because Dublin realistically have to win the game now. It's going to give Mayo and James Horn a real sense of where they're at. There's nothing, I'm not saying mm. that they haven't been going well, but, you know, Tyrone haven't been brilliant. So when you, Mayo look at how they, you know, beat them easily, carry the same thing, you know, you're actually going, okay, how do we actually judge that? I think basically you play Dublin, you get a very real sense of where you are at. That's why Saturday night was so valuable in Tralee. And that's why on the weekend after next, James Horn is going to go to Crow Park and he's going to get a very real sense of where Mayo are at. The likes of Galway or Monaghan tipping along nicely, played each other the weekend, nip and tuck game, not a great quality game. Tyrone are struggling at the moment, but it's funny. I, I think people, I think we write off, because Mickey Hart Cullum has been around for so long, I think we write off Tyrone perennially at this stage. Mm. I mean, I was actually listening on the radio in the car yesterday to the first half of their game above in Roscommon. And at half time, um, you had Sean Kavanagh was in the RT studio. You had Bernard Flynn on co-commentary. And they were absolutely writing off Tyrone. No, you're looking at Sean Kavanagh, you're saying, well, you should know what he's talking about. But even listening to it, I'm thinking to myself, hold on a sec. These guys have been playing against a really strong breeze in the first half. Let's see what happens at the end. And we see what happens in the end. You know, you're a far closer mm. game. So in that Division 1, I mean, look, the leaders are on six. I know Cavan have no points. But, I mean, basically, you have two teams on six. You have four. You have three. I just think, like, the league, certainly at the top tier, is a really, really top-grade competition. And if the GAA are not sitting around a table wondering, how do we get this template into summer competition, then they're not doing their jobs and they're not serving their constituents properly. Okay, we'll jump to Division 2. What a bear pit this is. Mm -hmm. You're looking through it there, and I suppose from our perspective here, Cork down at the very bottom. Who would have thought that? There are people who would have thought that, surprisingly. Um, Like, there's no doubt Cork football is not in a good place. Cork GA is not in a good place. Um, I think they possibly could have won in Fermanagh. Uh, I know um, I heard Rory Gallagher last night basically saying they 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 left the win after them in the first game. I know I've been talking to some of the Cork group and they feel they left the win mm-hmm. after them in their first game. Um, they weren't a million miles away against Kildare, um, but sat Sunday's performance and Sunday's defeat in, in Ennis Cullum was was poor. I wasn't there, obviously, but I saw, I've seen enough of the highlights to know. Even but, 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 but saying that, though, Cusick Park is a very difficult, like Donegal even struggled there oh two no, weeks and, ago. And don't forget, by the way, and, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's no exaggeration at this moment in time to actually say that the best team in Munster is Kerry. The second best team in Munster is probably Clare. And then you're pitching between Tip and Tip Cork, Cork. For, the third, yeah. for the third best team. You know, and on a bad day, are you actually saying the Cork are the fourth best team? I don't think they are, but I'm just saying you will have people, knockers, who will want to say that. So my point I was going to make is even on the bare highlights that I saw, two things absolutely stood out to me. Like, I mean, Fender actually standing off. The, you yeah. know, standing off David the man Tuberty in possession. In, in yeah. particular. I mean, basically, look, one of the most basic things is like, you know, you've got to actually go with the runners. Mm. And it just looked to me differently, like certainly for the scores, not just for Tuberty, for, you know, for the goals and everything. It just looked, I suppose what I, I had come from the intensity of Tralee on Saturday night, 
to looking at that um, passive defending, I would call it. Mm. And I thought to myself, like, that's not good. You know, so like Ronan McCarthy, look, you know, Ronan McCarthy don't need the Examiner podcast on a Monday to be telling him he's a big body of work ahead of him. He is a huge body of work ahead of him. And I have to say, I am absolutely amused. I heard Joe Brawley on, on television on Sunday night, you know, having, you know, a bit of a, a pop off this um, strategic report, like as if the strategic report, which is a five year plan, is linked in any way to how the Cork football is going at this moment in time. I mean, please, you know, let's not go there. You know, I know Joe was making... Yeah, I, I, th- I think his point is, though, that, you know, these reports can be produced. They're in beautiful, glossy magazines, lots of big, flowery, flowery language, language yeah. etc. But it, it's not going to get the ball no, over the bar. No, but, well, do you see, the, there was a lot... There is a lot of actionable items, Cullum, in that, in that uh, document as well. And, um, you know, there's a lot of appointments have been approved and sanctioned. Like, this is a five-year plan. It's called a five-year plan for a reason, by the way. This isn't going to get fixed by May or June. You know, so let's let's not try to link Cork's strategic plan, you know, with how the Cork footballers or hurlers are doing, or sorry, the Cork footballers anyway, are doing at this moment in time. They're two completely distinct things. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people picked up on Tracy Kennedy's whole Corkness thing and people are having a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a laugh at it and this kind of stuff like, but I feel there is a thing called Corkness. I think there is a phenomenon uh, there. I, I, I think it's something... You know, something that our own Larry Ryan has kind of written about many, many times. I think it's a good thing when it's properly used. That's only one very, very minor element of this report. Like, there's a lot of, you know, actioned um, strategies, you know, appointments that will be put in place. You know, talking about actually getting football back in as a kind of a mandatory element of every primary school curriculum. Like, there is, you know, there is an effort being made like so let's not knock people when they're making an effort because the alternative by the way is to sit on their hands and do nothing but is there a fear Tony with everything that's going on with Parky Cueve cost overruns condition of the pitch that monies that may be diverted or planned for those football strategies will be diverted you what Tracy Kennedy the chairperson of the county board said at convention this will not affect the day-to-day running of Cork GAA the stadium is one issue. They're basically telling us, the, like, look at the Crow Park model. Look at the GA and Crow Park, two completely separate businesses. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? Do I believe that this five-year plan will be compromised in some way by the fact that they're, they're burdened with such a debt on the stadium? I have to say I think that's, that's a distinct possibility. But we have to take... Tracy Kennedy at her word for the time being and she says that and I remember asking her myself the day that the the document was launched who writes the checks for these appointments and she said Cork GA writes the checks for these appointments and they will be made my point being sorry just to bring I know I'm getting sidetracked to bring it back to division two of the Alliance League let's not try to be having smart jobs let's not try to be saying let's in other words let's judge that document on its merits going forward Cork football, as we stand right now, is a very different subject. They have Meath at home next time out. Their biggest game of 2019? I think in fairness, if, if the public want to find Cork footballers, and I know that's not, that's, that's not an easy sell column at the moment, but looking at that Division 2, if there's any fixture that's going to fire this so-called Corkness, then it would be Cork against Meath. Because obviously there is a big historic rivalry there, 
turned out that there was a great great friendship there as well afterwards. But Meath come, will be coming down to Cork, top of Division 2. Cork will be going into the game, bottom of Division 2. I do think maybe it would be one of those games where the Cork public would say, you know what, I'm going to vote with my feet in this one by walking to the game, by going to that game and just seeing what's there. Because I would say, Colm, genuinely, being a Cork footballer is a very hard, the brother or the wife or the mother or the father of a Cork footballer at the moment, or even being the Cork footballer, it's no fun. You're going out there, you're busting your ass two, three, four days a week and all you're getting is absolute ridicule and flack at the moment. So it's not a pleasant place to be. So I think if there is any support, if there are any loyalists out there, I think they need to be getting off their asses and backing them. Now, while Kerry and Dublin won all the plaudits from football supporters this weekend, the same unfortunately cannot be said of the Alliance League meeting of Monaghan and Galway in Inneskeen. John Fogarty was there for us. Probably the least said about this game, the better, because it was so forgettable in many ways. And it certainly was no advertisement for football like Tralee was the night before. It just couldn't have contrasted more. Very much like, you know, two ends of the same batteries um, repelling each other. This was the case in, in a scheme. Um, Monaghan, Galway set out their stall very early that even with the wind they were going to play quite defensively and Monaghan found it very hard to break down and obviously when when Galway were um, breaking forward Monaghan got back in numbers and really smothered them out that way so it was it was it was not a pleasure in any shape or form for for the supporters I would imagine there were so many periods of the game where there was just a hush and it was a good crowd there like there was what nearly 5,000 people there and it was a good crowd but it was a real turn off uh, in many ways football unfortunately at this moment in time the uh, other than Dublin the, the negative team or the more defensive team dictates how the game is going to be played and these two teams more or less had the same tactics or the same idea. Certainly Monaghan, who are known to be an expansive team when they want to be, um, when they saw what was in front of them, they acted accordingly. And um, what we got was a really turgid game of football, unfortunately. Galway have to be commended in ways because they're down so many numbers and they had a lot of young guys playing. Obviously, it was Shane Walsh, who was the star man for, for a lot of people, certainly for me. We saw Johnny Heaney score an eight goal as well. We had, we've seen that before from Galway, but Galway will really have to expand their football in some shape or form. They, obviously, they have the players to do it, but they haven't shown it. And this safety-first attitude, it didn't work against Dublin the week before. It will work against the likes of Monaghan, but um, you know, if Galway are going to press on and reach an All-Ireland final, which is what they have to do if if Kevin Walsh's year is to be considered a, a success. like Obviously, James Horn is, is going to occupy mines in Galway at the moment, but an All-Ireland final is the next... Um, it's the natural step, a natural progression for Galway to take. But playing football like this, you would uh, you would be concerned for them as much as they do have four points from six. Thanks indeed to John Fogarty in Enniskeen for that. Now, a very brief word about our sponsors of this podcast. Alliance Insurance support people and communities throughout Ireland and have sponsored the Alliance Leagues and Alliance Coming to Munskull for over 27 years. Go to alliance.ie today for a home, motor or pet quote. Uh, on Sunday, Cork GA hosted a youth health forum 
as the first step in tackling the pressure on development squad players. I'm delighted to welcome Des Colinan, the uh, Cork Youth Officer uh, from the uh, County Board, into our studios here in the Irish Examiner. Uh, Des, compliments on this. Why did you decide to do it? I suppose it, it's an idea that myself, Ronan Dewan and Kevin O'Callaghan have had for a long time. I mean, you know, when we're trying to develop Cork players, we look after them from the point of view of skills. We teach them how to, you know, play hurling football, ladies football, camogie, and we give them maybe a small bit of tactical awareness. But we don't focus on the kind of the long-term plan where we're trying to keep these 14-year-olds involved in Cork sport up to the age of 25, 26, 27 we all hear that burnout is becoming a, a big factor and you know it is the challenges on young people today are huge um we kind of see them as hurlers or footballers or whatever but they're they're also rugby players soccer players they're 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 students they're they're playing you know video games or they're on social media so there's a huge amount of pressure on young people that can impact on their sporting careers and we're looking at maybe the, the complete package and how that we can help them you know get through that journey and you know come out of it at the age of 19 20 as a, a serious cork senior hurler footballer camogie player or, or ladies footballer okay now you had a great turnout you were telling me 250 odd kids yeah. 70 mentors was it as much the message to the young people as to the coaches as well yeah we adopted a, a kind of a twin twin prong approach and that we wanted to get a message out to our coaches and our mentors but we also wanted to get a message to the kids so we started off with a kind of a, a keynote address from Stephen McDonnell who you know had has an interesting journey from being a kind of a, a Cork player from the he played under 14 with Cork up to captaining Cork to win a Munster senior hurling title and you know Stephen was able to share the ups the downs the challenges that he faced because you know he, he strongly told the young people that there was a lot of external factors which impact that impacted on him as a player um, you know things that coaches would never have been aware of like whether it be stuff in his family life or school life or just things in the back of his head like that you know on any given day like could could impact on him whereas you know players are expected to turn up in Parky Key for training at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning and you know they have to perform in, cert- in, in a certain way but they bring a lot with him to that training session and that can impact on their on their performance you know, he outlined anxiety and stuff like that. Again, if coaches aren't aware of that, that can impact on a performance. And you can judge a player sometimes on a one-off training session or a one-off challenge match. And you actually don't know what that player went through that morning or that mm-hmm. night before. So it's just to get an awareness of those things. And, and he was excellent, you know. He really... he We gave him 45 minutes. He spoke for about an hour. And, I mean, he was really, really good. And the kids responded well to that. We then broke up the group into two. Um, we kept the players together inside in the main room, about 257 of them. Some of the parents stayed with them. And then we brought the coaches and some parents into the the other room. I suppose the players were given a a talk in lifestyle and nutrition by Stephen Casey, which was excellent. Very practical stuff. Some of it was very basic, what kind of foods you should eat, what kind of foods you should avoid. But a lot of it was to do with sleep and kind of, you know, not putting yourself under pressure and stuff like that. And the same with Conor Quinlan, who's a psychotherapist. He looked at mindset and kind of mental state. And when you are under pressure, like just giving them some coping mechanism mechanisms. You know, I was kind of worried that it might be a bit heavy for 14, 15, 16-year-olds. But we did a kind of a spot survey 
at the end of it and we asked them to rate the session and most of them were coming in seven eight nine out of ten which i thought was good now that was an, an initial reaction but you know they stayed like we it was a three-hour gig like and they all stayed for that length of time and i do think they got a, got a lot out of it you know simultaneously in the other room we had um a lady dr jennifer hayes from ahada who is a clinical psychologist with the hse and like i thought her presentation was absolutely fantastic um, it was focusing on the, the the minds the minds of young teenagers really trying to outline what what is going through their minds as 14 15 year olds the, the challenges they face and how we as coaches and mentors can recognize these and deal with them and i thought that you know the strategies she gave like were absolutely fabulous and you know there was a huge interaction between her and the group and i, I think that's going to be a very positive thing and then we finished off with Eamon Ryan and the reason we had Eamon Ryan is that you know there is no person probably in Cork who has managed so many teams um, his involvement with the Cork ladies football team is legendary but he's also won counties with Napierschig he's been involved in Sigerson and Fitzgibbon Cup winning teams Ashburn winning cup teams above in UCC he's currently coaching Ballingary and you know he's just a, he he was involved in skiing the school level as a primary school teacher so he really had a knowledge a depth of knowledge that we wanted to tap into and the adv- our, the blueprint we gave him is how to manage players how do you deal with you know the good players the not so good players the bad players the players that don't really want to play the players that you have to drop the players that you have to discipline and he, again his 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 input was huge and you know it was fantastic in terms of the coaches we mentioned the kids in the buy-in what about the coaches because i think nowadays there's you know any coach worth his salt has books and training drills and youtube clips and everything like this but this is taking it in a, in a very different direction for them. It is. I mean, like, a coach now is a performance manager, and, like, you just can't turn up and just have cones and expect people to do session for 45 minutes. And, you know, to get the maximum out of them, you have to prepare. You have to know your players. You have to know what makes them tick. And, you know, that's something that we don't really train our coaches to do. Um, like, as children's officer, I suppose, this idea came to me first when... My first year, I got a lot of complaints from parents that the coaches were too demanding on the time of their young people, that they were communicating poorly with them. Like we had cases where kids were dropped by text messages. We, we, had, we had a case recently where a guy who played in a tournament wasn't notified for the medal presentation but ceremony. Like often in those, it isn't malice. It's no, just no, it's a mistake. A mistake. And it's, it's a genuine mistake. But the coaches, and I'm not blaming the coaches, but if, if you're that person and you're kind of a bit unsure about how good you are as an under 14 footballer under 15 footballer that can be quite traumatic Mm. that you 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 know so that's when we're seeking to improve communication because when you when you increase the stress levels of players when when they're anxious they certainly don't perform and you know if you can recognize that and like some very good players will disappear because they lack confidence because you know, there are other issues going on in their life. They mightn't have a structure about them that can bring them down to training maybe five times in a month or something like that. But again, it's kind of recognition and, you know, the ability to recognise these and, and, and to do something about it. And that could be the difference between keeping an under-14 hurler who could be the next Patrick Horgan or the next Conor Han involved in our team and, and losing that person. So that's what we're striving for. Now, it's a lofty ideal, you know, and it's it's going to be a work in progress. Like, just because we had a conference last night doesn't mean that we're there. Mm. But, but it, it's the first step on is, the road. Yeah. Just in terms, though, of, we'll say, the other resources, you've had this meeting 
uh, yesterday very successful. If, for example, a player comes to the coach and has some serious issues, is there now a structure or a system in place for that coach to go to somebody in the county board or, you know, back to that child's parents or to the school or whatever, maybe to progress that issue? Well, there, there, there is, and we have a structure where the children's officer, would the buck would stop with me at this stage for the next couple of years, but I hope if there was an issue that they would report it and, and that we would be able to refer him or her on to the proper services. But, I mean, that would be an extreme case in one sense. I mean, the more practical things are that we are dealing now with kids who are under a lot of stress. It is even, a lot of our coaches are 28, 29, 30, and even, even that 14, 15 year gap, so much has changed in in life, you know, and if, how they were at that age, yeah, exactly. A fourteen-year-old kid now, you know, has 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 so many challenges that a thirty-year-old, not not to mind a forty or fifty-year-old, never had to face. So there is those challenges, and you know, just an awareness. And if we can, if we can upskill our coaches in that level, I think it w- it will be of huge benefit. We we finished an off the night with a panel discussion, and you know, we were blessed to have Breed Stack and and Rena Buckley, and you know, their insight into their playing careers I, I think were of huge benefit to the young people and the parents you know I mean what struck me first of all is that they both said that they both loved the game and and that's the starting point that if you don't love the game you know but just on that point as you know you look back at 14 15 years ago and the love of the game we're talking then about the pressures on young people pressures in life in general but equally would you would it be fair to say that the pressures now being brought to bear at high level sport is something that needs to be looked at absolutely and i mean the, i suppose the point they were all making is that it's not about medals that if you're looking at player development you have to take the longer view so again we put a lot of our coaches under pressure that if cork don't win the humphrey Kelleher or win the tony forrestal we're saying are we being successful but i suppose if you tracked a lot of players who won tournaments at underage it, the vast majority of them never come true. And you have to ask yourself, why do we, do we lose an awful lot of under-14 guys who win fail in the Gale medals and, you know, who win under-15 titles? Why why are we not keeping them? And I think, like, th- the point is that there's too much pressure put on these players too young. They're also given an elevated kind of status too young where, you know, this is the next dream team. And again, that pressure can be very, very hard to take as well. Especially in a county like Cork, where we are desperate for success, and every team is going to be the next great team, you know. So you really have to take the long-term development plan, and coaching is vital a p- part of that. But also, like player welfare, and you know, when you look at other codes, they are they are looking at that more and more, where they're they're looking at the whole package rather than just the skills. Do you think as well that in this day and age, as you said, with with the demands and young fellas, that there should be greater communication between coaches? For example, you have a young fellow who's in a GAA development squad. He's also a, a top rugby player. He's also a top soccer player. But there doesn't seem to be any dots being joined. No, and that's getting harder, even at club level. I mean, in, in my own club club the other day, I you know we had our underage AGM and we were discussing um, talking to the local soccer club to make sure that we're not clashing so that players don't have to make a choice because when, when you force people to make a choice, they don't often make the choice that, that you might want. So that's certainly a thing, but... I, I suppose as you go up the food chain and you are becoming an, an elite player, you probably do have to make a choice because it's probably not possible to be on a Munster development squad and on a Cork GA development squad at the same time. 
So there are challenges, but there are enough people who'd pick one code or another, and, and if they're well looked after, I think that's important. The parents have a huge role to play here as well, and, and we're trying to kind of communicate better with them in the sense that some players, some parents, you know, and most parents are brilliant. The amount of time they spend driving kids from West Cork or East Cork or North Cork down to sessions in the city is phenomenal, and we can never, you know, not thank them enough. But there are parents who maybe have unrealistic expectations of their kids as well and put un- put the kids under real pressure. Mm. And again, you know, that pressure doesn't always help in the development of the child. I think for 14, 15, 16-year-olds, you have to give them a small bit of space and you have to leave them grow because... There are kids who'll be brilliant at 14 and will that'll be the high point of their sporting career. But there will be late developers as well who will get better and better if you allow them the chance to flourish. And again, that's a big challenge when you're under pressure to deliver you know, medals and trophies. It's not always giving them that time. That's why we in Cork have taken the bigger picture and that we have four or five squads at every level. We don't have the one squad. So we, we, we try to broaden that so we bring in as many as many people as we can at under 14 and under 15. Well, and we start cutting it down then at 16 and 17. But I think you need to get more as many players as you can get involved. So that would be our strategy. Okay, huge credit to you on this innovative project. Are you planning to, to follow up on it now? We've no choice, really. I mean, you know, there's no point in keeping this going and you know, um, and and starting something and just leaving it in limbo. We intend to do it with our our our, our minor teams, and you know, it's already been done. Like John Myler has a great kind of support system in place with the senior hurlers, and I think that's a, a model that I'd be very interested in. You know, he works with the third level students. He works with those guys who are actually working and. Again, we forget that our game is an amateur game and that for every professional-type training structure you put in place, these guys have to work or have to go to college at the same time. (coughs) So it is something that we are very, very conscious of in Cork. And yes, we are going to go forward with You know, Jennifer Hayes and Conor Quinlan and Stephen Casey, they've all given a commitment that, you know, they will stay involved. And we're looking at maybe at an advisory group that will monitor and keep an eye on people and just look out for things that, you know, when people are under stress, when they're playing too many games. Um, we were talking about Niall Callan was an example the other night that people kind of brought up that he had three, four kids that went through the system, Maeve, Jack, Damien and, and Connor, that were involved like in every development squad coming up. Jack is still involved with the minor footballers and the minor hurlers. He's playing hearty with Christians next Saturday. And Niall was able to give an insight into... I just had a cup of coffee with him and he gave me an insight into the challenges that that they face. And, you know, that needs to be managed because if we want Jack Callan to play hurling and football and Christians, you know, play with Christians and probably play with the Bears, you can't expect him to be out seven, eight days every, you know, continuously training for both. Like So there has to be... Somebody that says to the coaches, mind this guy, you know, maybe football for the first two weeks when they're playing football championship, hurling after that. And we have to mind our players better. Yeah, but that requires a big buy-in from the coaches as well too, Des. It does. And the county board, you know, at the end of the day, somebody's going to have to make a call, you know. We appoint coaches. So if we tell coaches in advance of their appointments, this is what we expect from you. If you don't like it, don't take the job. And I mean, we may have to be as brutal as that, you know. Um, it is it is hugely challenging. I mean, I come from a kind of a background where I was coaching above in UCC and I was always glad to get the players whenever I got them because there were other challenges for them, you know. And 
once players are training um, and they're putting in the effort and looking after themselves, they're going to be of benefit to both teams. Final question on the week that is, and I know you mentioned there about putting young lads under pressure, but how important is this week for Cork Hurling, given that you have four schools in the A and B finals of the Munster Colleges? It's huge. I mean, the one thing we can say with certainty that a Cork team is going to win the Hearty and a Cork team is going to win the Munster B. And, you know, four Cork teams are going to be in the All-Ireland series going forward, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, I don't think that's going to be the panacea for all our underage hurling problems, but it, it certainly is an indication that Cork hurling is, is, is alive and well. And, you know, the strategies that were put in place a couple of years ago at underage are now paying off. But, you know, there's still a long road to go. I mean, we still need to be you know, maybe back in Crow Park for an All-Ireland at under-20 or an under-17 and certainly at senior level. But it is good. Like, I mean, you know, Christians are Middleton. They're two excellent teams. Who's going to win? You don't know. Like, it's it's probably a toss-up between the two of them. And similarly, Rochestone and and, 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 and the Bandon team, you know, they're, they're excellent. Rochestone are good competing in both levels, currently very as well. So it's phenomenal the amount of work that's been done in the schools, at development squad level, in the clubs. And really what we need to do is join that up and kind of work together instead of working all in different kind of directions. If we do, I'm sure there's a healthy future for Cork underage, you know. Now, next up, uh, Christian Brothers College in Cork hosted an All-Ireland Hurling Greats Night for Zambia charity event. That was on Saturday. Uh, it featured some big-name guests, including John Kiley, Derek McGrath, and Cork's own manager, John Myler. Afterwards, uh, our Stephen Barry caught up with John, discussing a host of issues, including some very interesting thoughts on 4G pitches. John, firstly, I suppose events like these yeah. with... John Kiley and Derek McGrath, do you enjoy these as an opportunity to kind of get new ideas, exchange ideas? Ah, it, it, it's just nice uh, to meet them in a, you know, a social environment as distinct from a competitive environment. And, mm. you know, I've been in, involved in games against both of them over the last few years. So, and they're, they're two gentlemen and, um, you know, they're experts in coaching and in managing and that. And, you know, I mean, they've had... You know, Kylie has had great success with Limerick and, you know, Derek with Waterford as well. So it's nice to meet him in a social setting, really, here in Christians, you know. Mm. And I was wondering, I know Derek was talking before, he used to have calls with Michal Donoghue. I think they may be in a relationship before being managers. Are there man- other managers who would have an influence in your managerial yeah, style? Yeah, there's, 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 managers, there's managers that I talk to privately, but I'm not going to yeah. tell you who they are. And, uh, you know, that, that you'd meet them at matches, you'd phone them and, and mm. um, you know, you have conversations with them and see how things are that's mm. it because I suppose they're the given it's a high pressure job now they're the people who can really relate I suppose to uh, yeah but you know there's pressure in every job and, and, mm. and it's just gone extremely competitive at the moment all these matches in the Munster Championship National Hurling League are competitive and you know there's a lot at stake so um, it's nice to you know as I said earlier to get into a social setting and just meet them mm. informally so, so that's nice and in terms of the league I suppose after you've had two losses now, or I suppose, what are you looking to take from the league, and how I are you just, treating it from now in? No, like it's a, it's a, in a, in a way, you know, it's a second league, um, that we have clear Limerick and Tipperary, three Munster teams now, and her, you know, we had two Leinster teams, now we have three Munster teams, so that'll go up another level, then, and you're, you know, you're in really in the middle of serious Fitzgibbon now. Um, you know, UCC are in the semi-final next Tuesday. We've Mary I, so we've a lot of players in there. So there's a lot of distraction at the moment mm. in terms of that you don't have your full panel. 
which you, you don't have all your players with you but um, it's an opportunity then for other players on the panel really to put their hand up and you know Cormac Murphy Aidan Walsh have done really well and Tim mm. O'Mahony in the last few weeks in those matches so we're absolutely delighted with that we'd like to be more competitive we'd like to win matches but we'll keep going the way we're going and we'll get a few injured players back we'll, we'll step up the pace now against Clare on Saturday week mm. I was wondering in terms of Aidan Walsh he was so good the last day were you taken or surprised by how how no, quick his hurling was when he was coming from no, here I, 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 I've been an admirer of Aidan Walsh's for the last number of years and I've seen him play both for CIT I've seen him play for Cantork I've seen him play for Cork so he's a tremendous athlete very mobile very quick got a very good hand it's just his hurling uh, needs to be brought up and you know to a, a couple of levels the speed of his hurling needs to be brought up so you know bit by bit please God we, we, we'll get more out of him now in the remaining three league matches and in the championship matches but both himself and Tim and Cormac have been a, a huge plus there now in the last few weeks and we're delighted with his progress and you know he's a great young fella and I have to ask, yes, was the pitch, the Parky Heath pitch there the last day, was it a disappointment for you kind of surprised no, by how? Look, look that's, that's what it is. The pitch is what it is. And it, it, it was the same for Wexford and that. And, uh, you know, that um, we'd get the pitch right for the, for the championship matches and we'd be in Parky Ring for the Clare. Um, you know, and, and, and that's really it. But uh, watching matches today, club matches today, I think there's a case now for 4G pitches everywhere to be built as distinct from grass mm. pitches. But that's a huge uh, strategic decision to be made by the GA but mm. you know looking at um, the two matches in Turles and in Parnell Park today there's a lot to be said for 4G pitches now mm. and I'm putting them in major stadiums I, I think it's I think it's um, you see the, the Musgrave Park is mm. now an all weather pitch you see the 4G pitch in Parky Kiev. I was down this morning at Cork and Kilkenny under 17 challenge match and like, you know, the match was played at a high intensity, high speed. So, look, I think that's probably the way to go. Um, but it's a, it would be a huge strategic decision uh, to be made for Crow Park. But once it goes down, then I think it's there. And, you know, your match, there's no complaints then about the pitches. Mm. I suppose finally, looking ahead to Parky Rin next weekend, you're, I suppose you'll have a you're looking forward to the atmosphere I'd imagine there'd be a good yeah, well, home advantage always, in yeah, that there's always a great atmosphere in Parky Ring it's it, you know it's a tight closed in pitch clear coming down um, they've done well in, 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 in the league so far and you know what I mean and you know they'll be trying to win as well so and they're trying to get ready for the Munster Championship in May so look we all have the same obje- objectives at this time of the year so we'll see and that's it from this week's edition of Examiner Sports Alliance League Reviewer. Thanks to all our guests for joining us on the programme this Monday, to Tony Lean, to John Fogarty, Des Cullinan, Stephen Barry and John Myler. Uh, don't forget, you can, as always, listen to us on SoundCloud, on iTunes and on irishexaminer.com. And please don't forget to rate us on iTunes as well. We're back again, same time, same place next Monday. Hopefully we'll have your company once more. Alliance supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.